You are listening to the Through the Bible Studio Series with Pastor Nate Holdridge. Join us as we continue our study through the Old Testament book of Exodus. Here's Nate. Well, Moses is on top of the mountain receiving the law from the Lord. You might remember that God had set Moses along with the other spiritual leaders in Israel, namely Aaron and his sons, along with an additional 70 elders to separate themselves from the people to come to the base of the mountain. And God called Moses up to the top of the mountain. And there, of course, Joshua at least went part of the way up with him. But eventually Moses found himself alone in the presence of God to hear from the Lord. And after, of course, receiving the commandments concerning the tabernacle and the way that worship would be conducted, the way the structure of the tabernacle would look, along with the instruments of the tabernacle, things like the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, the table of showbread, the golden lampstand, the bronze altar outside of the tabernacle, the construct of the tabernacle itself, the linen curtains, the gold rings, the purple and blue and scarlet thread sometimes used to create the angels woven into the linen, the covering for the tabernacle, the fence around the courtyard of the tabernacle, the fence leading into that courtyard. All of it was detailed by God in great precision. Not yet built. Moses is still up there on the mountain. And in chapter 28, we saw God begin to speak to Moses concerning the garments that the high priest, who would be Aaron at first, and successive high priests, along with the other priests who would serve with him, God described their garments, what they would wear. And of course, as we studied what they would wear, we saw great pictures of the way that the Lord wants to minister to us, but also the way that the Lord has asked us to minister to him. We are, after all, in the New Testament economy, a kingdom of priests before the Lord. Each one of us with direct access to minister to him, to worship him, to bless him, we serve before the Lord. And so Exodus 28 served as a great picture of that service. Here in Exodus chapter 29, we see God then taking those priests and consecrating them for their ministry. And this as well teaches us a great amount concerning our own relationship to the Lord. First of all, in verse 1 through 9, we come face to face with the ceremony in which God would separate these priests. Now this is, verse 1, what you shall do to them to consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. Take one bowl of the herd and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers smeared with oil. You shall make them of fine wheat flour. So God records there in the first couple of verses the elements that would be used in this consecration ceremony. One bull, two rams, and various breads were brought together. You shall put the bread in one basket and bring them in the basket and bring the bull and the two rams. Verse 3. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. 
Then you shall take the garments and put on Aaron the coat and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastpiece and gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And you shall set the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons and put coats on them. And you shall gird Aaron and his sons with sashes and bind caps on them. And the priesthood shall be theirs by a statute forever. Thus you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. One of the first things that we notice, maybe even escapes our attention, it's so obvious, but just the reality that Aaron and his sons were to be consecrated for this particular task of serving the Lord. When it comes to ministering to the Lord, God is looking for consecrated, set-apart people. People who have said, I want to come away from the way of the world, the lust of my own flesh, and the influence of the devil, and I want to walk with the Lord. I'm set apart unto him. There was no mixed relationship with God here. These men were to be all in, completely consecrated to the Lord. Secondly, we also need to notice here that Aaron and his sons were serving God as priests. Now, they were involved in ministering to the people, to be sure, but they were primarily responsible for ministering to, directly, the Lord, as I've mentioned previously. Notice as well that in this consecration ceremony, and we'll get to the bulls and the goats and the bread in just a moment, but here initially, one of the first things that occurs is that Aaron was to be washed with water. Now, the interesting thing, of course, about this washing is that it was a one-time initiation kind of washing. There would be other washings that would take place in a laver outside of the tabernacle in which Aaron and the other priests would wash their hands and wash their feet to enable them for the daily ministry tasks that God had for them. But there was one initial washing in this consecration ceremony that would set Aaron and subsequent high priests apart for the work to which God had called them. And of course, this speaks of our initial faith in Christ Jesus. You might remember there in John chapter 13, when Jesus spoke to his disciples, he said, listen, you are already clean. He was washing their feet, but their overall body was clean. A picture, of course, of what happens to us when we come to Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, he said, some of you were like the unrighteous who will not inherit the kingdom of God, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. There is the justification of God's Spirit as he causes us to be born again, we're placed into Christ, we are regenerate. But then there is later on the practical daily experience of being washed by the Lord. And here, what we have with Aaron is a picture of him in that initial washing from God that would qualify him in the first place to even be able to go into that place to minister before the Lord. Listen, we have no business serving the Lord. We have no business serving and ministering to God's people, unless we have been positionally atoned for, washed, and cleansed by the Lord. 
We're to draw near with a true heart and full assurance of our faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. A one time, sure, there will be struggles that come along in life. There will be temptations. There will be moments that we need to confess and ask the Lord to cleanse us and be merciful to us. But overall, this is a consecrated life. That decision has been made. You know, even for me, just this last week, I'm so thankful to the Lord. I remember just this morning, I wrote in my journal as I was praying and reading in the Word, just said to the Lord, Lord, thank you for your chastening hand. There's just been a little bit of a thing this last week where I've just known that the Lord, by his Holy Spirit, without anybody else saying anything to me, has been correcting me a little bit, correcting my motivations, correcting my tone. And in that correction, we are so thankful. We need that continual washing from the Lord. But positionally and decidedly, we are to be people who have set ourselves apart unto the Lord, have cleansed ourselves in one sense, and have allowed him to wash us and cleanse us for that service. Notice also that Aaron was to put on these garments. He was to be clothed, not just consecrated, but he was to be clothed. This indicates, of course, that beyond the ceremonial washings, there was a clothing that took place. And of course, in Scripture, clothing often signifies or is a picture of our character and conduct, the kind of righteousness that we have. And these garments, of course, were pure and defined by God. And so he puts on those garments from the Lord. Notice also, that it tells us in verse 7 that after putting on all of the garments that we'd seen described in chapter 28, you've got the robe, the ephod, the breast piece, the skillfully woven band, the turban, and the holy crown, more importantly, that rested on top of the turban. It would say, holy to the Lord. After putting all of that on, the anointing oil that they created was then taken and put on his head to anoint him. And so God was looking not just for consecrated and clothed servants, but anointed servants. And often, of course, in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is pictured with oil. And so here you have perhaps an example of the great need in ministering to the Lord and serving the Lord in conducting your ministry unto the Lord by the power of his spirit, not trusting in your own strength, your own might, but trusting in his spirit. You know, as you rise in the morning and seek to open your Bible, perhaps, or open your mouth, perhaps, and minister unto the Lord, to worship him, to hear from him, to cry out to him for wisdom and strength in your life. As you do this, one thing that you have to remember is that it's not going to be your strength that enables this to be a powerful time. It's the anointing of his Holy Spirit. As John tells us in his first epistle, every believer has been given the Spirit of God. He will teach us, he can instruct us, but to minister by the power of his Spirit is so all important. And so the Lord says there in verse 9, after anointing him, you take his sons and put coats on them and gird them all up with sashes and bind caps on them. And the priesthood shall be theirs by statute forever. You shall ordain Aaron and his sons. 
I love the perpetual calling of Aaron and his sons to this priesthood. What that would tell us is that they were not elected by the people, number one. These are men that God had chosen. But number two, they would never be able to earn this position. It was not given to the most righteous or the most set apart or holy. These were people that God would have to set apart, that God would have to make holy. Their position was given to them not by works of righteousness, but purely by grace. And as we minister to the Lord, we must remember that he has chosen us and that we are there not by our own merit, but by his grace. Now, verse 10, we move into the actual sacrifices in this consecration ceremony. Then you shall bring, verse 10, the bull before the tent of meeting. Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting and shall take part of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger. And the rest of the blood you shall pour out at the base of the altar. And you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails and the long robe of the liver and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them and burn them on the altar. With the flesh of the bull and its skin and its dung or its innards, you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. So first the bull, you might remember there, we'd already read in the first few verses that they were to take a bull, two goats, and all of these breads and come together, put on the garments, put on the oil, put on their clothing and be anointed for the ministry. But the next thing that they would do is that they would go to this bull that they had brought. Aaron and his sons would then lay their hands on the head of the bull. And so, obviously, this is done as the bull is being sacrificed and killed. They have their hands upon the head of the bull as the life of the bull is leaving its body. In one sense, what you see here is that these priests are identifying with the animals who were dying in their place. Immediately after getting those garments on, there was no puffed up chest of saying, look at us, called, selected, chosen by God to minister in his tabernacle. No, there was the humility of going to the bull and saying, we need a sacrifice. The first thing that we should do in our priestly service is have a bull sacrificed in our place. In other words, to do ministry, these men would have to identify deeply with their own deep sense of need. It's unfortunate when anyone tries to minister to someone else, whether it's within the body of Christ or outside of the body of Christ, whether it's just in a living room or from a pulpit. It's unfortunate when whoever is attempting to do the ministering forgets that they themselves need the blood so deeply to be closely connected to your own need, your own imperfection, your own frailty. The Lord was looking for men like this to identify with their own need. Notice as well that after they offered this sacrifice, they'd take part of the blood and the altar outside of the tabernacle. There were the horns that were coming off the corners of it. They would put blood on the horns. They'd pour out the rest at the base of the altar and they would take all the fat and innards and burn them on the altar. But the flesh 
of the bull, verse 14, and its skin, they considered that to be unclean. And so they would burn it with fire outside of the camp. And then God spoke of all this and said, it is a sin offering. Hebrews 13, verse 11 and 13 says it this way. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate there in Jerusalem in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. An exhortation to these Jews who were struggling with their newfound faith in Christ, struggling with the persecution and the eventual rejection that came upon them for embracing Jesus. The writer to the Hebrews is saying, listen, Jesus, like those animals whose bodies were burned outside the camp, he was sacrificed outside of the gates of the city. He was banished. Therefore, let's bear his shame and go outside of the camp as well and dwell with him and bear the reproach that he himself endured. But Jesus compared to these sin offerings that were given. Now in verse 15, the burnt offering is described. Then you shall take one of the rams, he says, and Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the ram. And you shall kill the ram and shall take its blood and throw it against the sides of the altar. Then you shall cut the ram into pieces and wash its entrails and legs and put them with its pieces and its head and burn, verse 18, the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. So with the sin offering, you would take the body of these bulls and take them outside of the camp to be destroyed. But with a burnt offering, or a food offering that was given to the Lord, the whole body of the ram would be offered before the Lord. The blood would be thrown against the sides of the altar, not placed on the horns of the altar or poured out upon the base, the blood against the side, and they would burn the entire ram upon the altar. And I think in one sense, this burnt offering, which was a complete offering before the Lord, was a way of saying that in serving the Lord, we're to offer ourselves completely to the Lord. Once covered by the blood and forgiven of sin, we just throw our entire lives into this. And I know for me, in my life, it always felt like it was going to be one or the other, either extremely devoted to self or extremely devoted to the Lord. I wanted to be all in. And through the course of my life, I've discovered so many other areas of selfishness and and all of that. And so the Lord continues to say, I want all of you. Now in verse 19, the burnt offering number two is described. He says, you shall take the other ram and Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the ram and you shall kill the ram and take part of its blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron and on the tips of the right ears of his sons and on the thumbs of their right hands and on the great toes of their right feet, and throw the rest of the blood against the sides of the altar. Then you shall take part of the blood that is on the altar and on the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and on his son's garments with him. He and his garments shall be holy and his sons and his son's garments with him. 
So the blood of the first goat was taken and thrown against the sides of the altar in God's direction. The blood of this second burnt offering goat was to be put upon the direction of Aaron and his sons in three specific places. First, the tip of their right ears, the thumb of their right hands, and the big toe of their right foot. Now, this might sound odd to us. All of this is very foreign to us as believers, but it all points, of course, to Christ. But here you have these men who would be fully set apart for God's work. The things that they would lend their ear to would be holy. They were saying, God, my ear belongs to you. The things that they would lend their thumbs to would belong to the Lord. The things that they would do with their hands, these hands belong to God and, and of course, their feet as well. And so the Lord, I think in one sense saying, in every area of his life, he must be set apart. All of him belongs to me. What are you listening to? What are you doing? And where are you going? If there are areas that you know you ought not be and things that you know you ought not listen to or consume or things that you know that you ought not touch, it's important to come back to the Lord, give your life to him, submit to him, and receive his grace to restore you in your life. He says in verse 26, you shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's ordination and wave it for a wave offering. So not a burn offering here, but a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be your portion. So that second ram, they would take the breast of it. They would actually be able to eat this. They would wave it back and forth between the altar and themselves. And you shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering that is waved and a thigh of the priest's portion that is contributed from the ram of ordination from what was Aaron's and his sons. It shall be for Aaron and his sons as a perpetual due from the people of Israel, for it is a contribution it shall be a contribution from the people of Israel from their peace offerings, their contribution to the Lord. So when they offered peace offerings to the Lord, this was the part of the animal that Aaron and his sons would be allowed to eat. The breast and the thigh of the animals were to be eaten by the priests. The holy garments, verse 29, of Aaron shall be for his sons after him. They shall be anointed in them and ordained in them. The son who succeeds him as priest, who comes into the tent of meetings to minister in the holy place, shall wear them seven days. So when Aaron died and it was time to pass the high priestly role to someone else, there would be a seven-day time that his son would wear the garments before going through this consecration ceremony. You shall take, verse 31, the ram of ordination and Boil its flesh in a holy place. And Aaron and his sons shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket in the entrance of the tent of meeting. And they shall eat those things which atonement was made at their ordination and consecration. But an outsider shall not eat of them because they are holy. And they belong completely and only to them. And if, verse 34, any of the flesh for the ordination or of the bread remain until the morning. You know, they can't eat it. Then you shall burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten because it is holy. So God here repeats his directions for how the second ram was to be distributed and eaten by these consecrated priests. 
Thus you shall do, verse 35, to Aaron and to his sons, according to all that I have commanded you. Through seven days you shall ordain them. It was a seven-day consecration. And every day you shall offer a bull as a sin offering for atonement. Also you shall purify the altar when you make atonement for it and shall anoint it to consecrate it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and consecrate it. And the altar shall be most holy. Whatever touches the altar shall become holy. And so what he's saying here is that this is going to be a seven-day consecration and that these bulls would be sacrificed each day. This whole ceremony would each day be recognized. And what's so interesting there is that that altar, whatever touched it, would actually become holy. Now, for the most part in the law, when something holy was touched by something unholy, the holy thing would become defiled and become unholy. In other words, for most of the law, the thing that is transferable is unholiness. If you're clean and you touch something unclean, you become unclean. You don't transfer your cleanness to that which is unclean. But here, the altar is a completely different story. Whatever touches the altar actually became holy. So it, of course, speaks to us of the cross of Christ, which will never be defiled and will always change those who interact with it and the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I think one of the greatest things to do when giving counsel is to bring people to Jesus. Greatest thing to do in giving encouragement, bring people to the cross of Christ. If you can get people back to that place, it will change them in powerful ways. Now, in verse 38, he talks of the morning and evening sacrifice that was more of a regular sacrifice that was offered, not just connected to this consecration moment for Aaron and his sons. He says, now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs, a year old, day by day, regularly. So this is what the priests would be responsible for doing every single day. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. So this would be referred by many as the morning and evening sacrifice, one in the morning, one at twilight. And with the first lamb, a tenth measure of fine flour mingled with a fourth of a hin of beaten oil and a fourth of a hin of wine for a drink offering. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight and shall offer with it a grain offering, not a drink offering, and its drink offering as well as in the morning, for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. It shall be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak to you there. And so again, the fellowship that God wanted to have with his people. He is longing for fellowship with you and me. And of course, their fellowship was contingent upon the shedding of blood. There, verse 43, I will meet with the people of Israel, and it shall be sanctified by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. Aaron also and his sons I will consecrate to me to serve as priests. I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. And such a fascinating thing here for Moses to receive 
from the Lord, this knowledge and this understanding that the God of Israel wanted to have a relationship with them. That's what all of this tabernacle and blood and priests, it was all designed to say, if you do these things, that is where I will meet with you and speak to you there. Go boldly before the throne of grace. Remember the blood of Jesus. He longs to fellowship with you as his child. God bless you and amen. Thank you for listening. For additional resources and teachings or to contact us, please visit us at nateholdridge.com.